Welcome back. It's Tom Bell here. So exciting to have you here for another episode. Uh, Today, I'm actually chatting with Bridie Bailey, a leadership development specialist and coach uh, and a friend from a long time ago. I haven't uh, been able to see Bridie in quite a long time, so I'm excited about catching up as well. But uh, welcome to the show, Bridie. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. I've always wanted to say that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it feels good saying it too, I have to admit. Um, you know, I have been lucky to in- interact with you in the past and have you as a facilitator and know that you give off such warm vibes. You really, really care about people. It's very evident that you care about people. Great listener, uh, great thinker like you really love to think about things and take on other people's point of view uh, and and someone you know when I'm watching you and at least in the facilitation room little alone outside you really are someone that can make everybody in the in the room feel included which I think is a is a, a real talent a real gift um, but for people who have not yet come across you on their journey would you mind telling us a bit about yourself I can do that so um, I guess I spent the majority of my life living in Brizzy so bit of a Brizzy girl um, but I currently live a pretty chilled out life um, in Brisbane with my partner Matt and our cat Oreo. Matty J. Um, <laughs> so yeah so by night you'll find me probably um, more likely just sitting in front of the couch watching true crime on Netflix um, and drinking you know a little glass of gin um, and by day my mission if you like is Um, you know, to create a fun and safe space where people can come and do the messy work of becoming who who they were always meant to be. Um, And I think that's, you know, the most exciting project that we can ever work on is the project of ourselves. So it's really exciting that in my job I get to, you know, help people carve out time to do that, that fun but messy stuff. Like, you know, like you said, it's like, when do we get time? We we're talking before this started, but when do we get time to do that stuff? So mm. I feel really privileged to help people on that. And when did that start? Like, if I could just take you back further, like, was there a time when you were like, I don't know, a bricklayer or something, and you were like, damn these bricks? <laughs> um, no, actually, I remember at the time where I was inspired to, to move into adult education was when I started working for an organisation and I was actually being trained. So my job was to work in the front line serving members in a retail environment, selling insurance and whatnot. And I was in the training room and I remember vividly having this just visceral um, response to sitting there watching my trainer and thinking, that's what I want to do. And it was just very, I don't know, you know, it's hard to describe when it happens. But before that, I had no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, But it took me a good 15 years or so to actually get to the point where I'm now doing a job that I absolutely love. Mm, And, and you you were saying, feeling super confident in that in that space, like, and that that must be a nice feeling. Yeah, and it's, it's a new feeling, if I'm being honest, you know, I think, I think partly it's to do with age, Tom. Um, but I have been a rabid sufferer of, of self, um, of imposter syndrome my whole life. And, mm. um, and so that's been a big battle for me to really um, walk into a space and own my strengths and actually believe in myself. So that, that, uh, that's taken a long time. Wow. And does it, is it a time heals all wounds kind of thing? You think it's, it's, it's a, enough track, track record, enough, uh, enough, you know, points on the scoreboard that's gotten you to the point where you can feel like that or any tips I'm, for anybody else that's struggling with it themselves? 
absolutely part. It's it's partly um, it's partly it's partly experience. You know, like we ju- we judge ourselves so harshly if we're not perfect in in what we do, and we would never expect somebody who's learning to drive for the first time to get it right the first time. Mm. Um, so it's it's having that comfort of sitting in the discomfort until you do it enough times before you actually can can get good enough to actually feel that sense of confidence. So it's, it is actually just a, a time and experience thing, I think. Mm. And I don't know if this necessarily makes any difference or not, but would you classify yourself uh, as extroverted or introverted? I'm incredibly introverted. Mm. Um, you and I, are, I think, are probably a little bit polar opposite. Polar opposite. But I don't necessarily think that has anything to do with whether or not we like to stand in front of a group of people and talk about the stuff that we're passionate about. Yeah. Um, I've talked, you know, I, I deliver MBTI training, personality type training, and I find that every type of person um, is just equally as fearful about um, public speaking. So I don't, I don't think it's a personality type thing related. Yeah, because that's in my mind. I was thinking, like, you would making. you like to hop up? Yeah, yeah. Well, in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah. like, you know, you're in the room, um, you know, and, and a lot of people are fearful of it. I think, it, I don't know if it's something that I've gone in a course with you or what, but the model of the world, you know, how we have our own model of the world and, and you know, it's almost, it, it's like it's great to go and, and then you learn from other people about what they think. But a lot of the time I kind of feel like everyone must think like I think. And, you know, yeah, it's, absolutely. It's like, who wants to get up in front of the class? <laughs> me, 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 me. Uh, you know, um, and so then then you start to think, well, maybe it is. Well, I start to think maybe it is a thing to do with being so extroverted because I, I would think that I'm probably extremely extroverted. Um, yeah. And so then, of course, I'd want to get up and, and, and talk on a soapbox. But I love the idea that when you're passionate about something um, mm. and you know that there's an audience, I suppose, that would like to or that would benefit from what you have to say, then it doesn't really matter, um, introvert, yeah. extrovert. Exactly. I think you and I have equal passion, but we, um, our energy, where we get our energy is different. So for me, um, at the end of a long day um, of, of lots of interacting, as I said, all I want to do is sit on the couch and just zone out and that's where I can recharge. So, you know, that that really to me is the true essence of, you know, being introvert is just about I start the day with a full battery and by the end of the day it's flat, whereas I think extroverts really need to get their, their charge from interacting from other people and that's mm, how yeah, they... Yeah, thanks. You're charging me yeah. right now. Like my battery is like slowly <laughs> filling. If there was like a little meter down here, it's just exactly. sort of growing. Thank you. I'm unfortunately, yeah. sending you to the couch after this, but <laughs> you're welcome as well. So we've got, a, we've got a long way to go before I hit that, that part. Um, so in terms of like your, from your perspective, you know, you've, you've lived a life, you've, you've seen so many people, I suppose, develop, which, you know, would be in line with that mission. Um, from your perspective, what's your definition of success? Yeah. Oh, it's such a great question. You know, like when you asked me that, I I honestly had never really thought about it. So thank you for asking me and, and causing me to think about it. But I think, and I think this will evolve, obviously, but I think it's about, for me, just having fun, living authentically and with purpose, but also to keep learning, mm. which mm. ironically I noticed behind you there's a couple of signs about being authentic and living with purpose, and that was complete coincidence. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You better have thought about this before. You better not just be taking it from the back <laughs> wall. Something oh, else also, about- um, I've got an attitude of gratitude. <laughs> 
so can I ask then, like, you know, when you got to the point where you, um, you know, got, um, got, got this definition, I suppose, did it then send a little bit of a ripple of reflection back through, you know, your life or even a shorter period of time to think, are you hitting that? You know, if that's what you want to hit, have you sort of thought that you are hitting it, or that you make some tweaks? What's that been like? So I think that, um, so part of what I do with, with the groups that I train in leadership is to help them create mission statements. And I think that my mission statement is, um, is linked back to my success equation or statement or whatever you want to call it. So for me, I use my mission statement to, um, to check in to see am I actually doing what it is that my purpose is here. And, um, you know, I was, and my mission statement's been in, in the making for a, the last two or three years. So it was only like 3 a.m. a couple of days ago that I thought what, what really is my mission statement? And I came, that's when I actually came up with, um, and it was spurred on by your question about success, but I came up with that that um, definition of, you know, creating that fun, safe space where people can come and do the messy work of becoming who they were always meant to be. But the, the interesting thing about um, success equations or mission statements, I think, is that you, you can't actually just create them out of nowhere, as in, you have to really do the messy work of, of understanding like who you really are, what really matters to you, like what do you really value and what your real strengths are before you can do before you can come up with a with a statement. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, you gotta so live it a bit. That, I think that foundational work has to come before you can create that that mission statement. Like you gotta go and outside and look at the weather before you realise you need to be wearing a raincoat. I think so. I could be wrong, but that's my sense anyway. No, I think I feel the same. Like I was saying on one of the podcasts earlier that um, I, I tried on three different uh, unique life purposes and the statement, that success statement for me. And uh, it, I'm like, oh, it's close, but it has mm-hmm. actually been, you know, probably being molded since I was like 21. Like when I started going to positivity seminars, reading self-help books and all of those sorts of things, uh, it's, it's been, you know, kind of coming along, but I liked the idea of kind of trying to make something more cement. Um, so as if I've got a compass, instead of pointing true North, I can just write my little, my little purpose statement up where it says um, the little N and the arrows pointing to it. Yeah. That is exactly how I um, think of what you've just described as it's a compass, like, you know, and, and I think about the the values that the top three values of mine are fun, harmony, and kindness, and you know they are just so helpful just to know them off the top of your head because you know it's helped me make really key critical decisions about my relationships. You know, I've I've ended relationships and begun relationships on the basis of those three things, um, just by checking in and going, am I feeling? Am I feeling like I'm having fun? Am I feeling like this person's kind? You know, and that kind of is is that compass for me in not only relationships but in my professional life. You know, if I'm sitting around in a team where people are being really nasty to each other, I know, and and we're not having fun, I know I'm not going to, my cup is not going to be filled in that environment. I don't like that sort of thing either, actually. That that is that that's the thing that drains me. Like being alone, not so much, maybe a bit. I'd prefer to be with other people, but it's the toxicity. Like when I'm around it, like I just yeah. conflict. I just like 
maybe if I could just have an ejector seat or I could just transport <laughs> somewhere else, I'd happily do it. Um, you know, yeah. you, sometimes you've got to do what you don't want to do, but um, you know, I guess it, I guess it's all sort of just, so just part of it. But um, you know, in terms of you going and finding out your values, is that something that you have done like long in the past and, and has it evolved or is it something that you've done recently? Um, so part of the work I do is to help leaders um, or people generally just to develop their, uh, their leadership brand or their personal brand and and part of that is to get to know who you are and what matters to you so because I have to teach it all the time it's something that I revisit all the time as well so when I'm teaching other people how to find their top three values I'm constantly being reminded about mine mm. um, so teaching mm. is a really powerful way I guess of learning at the same time yeah. So if someone's listening to this and they wanted to work out what their values are, is there, you know, three key steps or is it, uh, you know, go to this <laughs> Google, website or something? Google a list of, of, of values um, and there's, you can find them anywhere on the internet. And then basically it's very simple. You can do it many different ways, but how I do it is very simple because my brain's simple, right? So you get your list of values and you read them and you go, which ones resonate with me? What, what are my top 10? out of mm-hmm. this list like what are the ones that really matter most to me um and you generally know which ones they are by thinking about you know when someone rubs up against your values that's when you're really triggered that's when you know that's something that really matters to you fairness so, is one of um, mine. sorry fairness is one of mine so when i'm seeing things that aren't necessarily fair i'm like hmm, uh maybe we could make that a bit more just whatever like life isn't fair but you know yeah i know that because it rubs me the wrong way that's it that's it so that's something that you know about yourself so um once we have that top 10 we then um then kind of um force i don't force people to to narrow it down to three because i'm not the values police but um (laughs) i do encourage people just to narrow it down try to narrow it down to at least the top three or five and that's just because it's easier for our brains to to think of things in threes and and in fives than it is to have you know your top 10 strengths Mm. or or whatever it might be Mm, i like that yeah i think we um, did a game once and it was same sort of thing you looked at a whole heap and then you picked out and then you said out of these which is least important most important to me and that because you, you get stuck you get stuck you're like yeah mm. but but integrity and honesty you're like well okay you know mm. that you could always call them the same thing but almost maybe you couldn't um and then yeah. there's just a, a, a like you know you end up getting to a point where you can be happy enough with the ones that you've chosen and it's not like you know you've cho- chosen which kids to keep and sent the others and raft <laughs> out to sea you can just pick another one next week it's okay um so that's, yeah so that's a and and some people go through the process of kind of um, picking an umbrella value where they can sort of link. Oh, there's a there's a few values that kind of sit under this one. So I think if I choose this one, it's going to tick off um, another another two or three for me. Mm. Do you feel like um, from a relationship perspective, and I suppose we could do work as well, but you know, what do you think the value would be of people sitting down at the start of relationships and, and, and doing these sorts of things together? If not, if they didn't know them, going through it together or at least knowing so that you could kind of turn up and go, well, these are my values, these are yours, because if they're not in alignment, it's probably going to make things a little bit more challenging. Yeah, Tom, look, you've just described pretty much 25 years of my whole entire life of relationships where I, I went in with the assumption, like you said earlier, you just assume people are going to be like you and think like you. And when you know and when you've done the work to identify and articulate who you are and what matters to you, it, you know, that's that's fine and that's great, but crucially you need to be able to articulate that so that you can 
be really clear to somebody else about those things so they they know you. Uh, you know, we should be accountable for communicating to other people what our needs are and mm. who we are. So it's a tool that you can then use to have those conversations exactly as you said up front. You know, I, I talk about this as a tool that you use with teams when you sit down and you share your values with your team members so you can understand each other better. But all of these things are applicable to life. All of these things are applicable to the connection that we have um, to to other humans, and that includes people we are in relationships with. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Like kids, as they get older, it would be nice to know, like, because they're their own people. And whilst, again, I might think that they're just little apples that have fallen from the tom tree, um, you know, they're going to have their own things that matter to them. And, and my, like, my two kids are, are remarkably different Um still similar but quite quite different which is which is very interesting um mm. so so you love seeing people develop you love the the, the messy work I, I like that mm. because it's it's not like we're just going to come in and and uh, and paint some perfect picture or some you know some perfect artistry um thing it's probably more like a jackson pollock painting i don't know if that's uh, exactly the best reference but uh, mm. what is it like for you getting in into the into the the midst of, of that messiness with people you know because people are very vulnerable I suppose when they're in that state yeah definitely and part of that for me is to create that vulnerable that vulnerability or share my own vulnerability so that people can see that it's okay for them to to be in that state so I use storytelling a lot um, with with my programs to to share really quite vulnerable things about myself, you know, not not stories about how I climb Mount Everest because most people can't relate to that, but just stories about everyday life where I've struggled with something. Um, and that just helps to put people at ease to go, oh, we're all in this together. Mm. Well, that's very brave. I mean, you've even done it you know, just during this conversation with a couple of little chats, a little little points. Like, do you think that you've developed that bravery over time to be able to stand, you know, with, like bear in front of others for the, for your purpose is like, what do you think is driving that? Is, are you able to muster that level of courage or bravery because it aligns to your mission and your success statement kind of thing? Um, I think like for me, Tom, like, you know, it, it's only in the last few years that I've actually started to do this. So I've spent most of my life, as I said before earlier, um, having that imposter syndrome, pretzeling myself into what I suspect people might expect me to be. Mm. And that just is so unsustainable and it just, it's, you know, energetically it's just exhausting. Um, and I suppose for me that moment of, oh, um, you know, how can I be more courageous and live authentically came when I started to learn um, from the work of Brene Brown and and her work around courage Um as well as at the same time that I was learning from, from her work, I was also looking at um, Gabrielle Dolan, who, who teaches business storytelling. So I kind of combined the two um, pieces of, I guess, knowledge that I was taking in and absorbing and reading and learning about, and I kind of just mushed them together. And I thought, well, if, if my job is to teach leaders how to tell stories in order to you know, connect with people and get their point across and help people through change, then I should be able to do it myself. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of, for me, it's just, you know, learning from reading or watching and participating in, in stuff that where I can actually get the skills to do that thing. 
to do mm. those things. Mm, I like it. And for me, like being like a um, facilitator, I, I really have enjoyed that, that role in my life at times coach. Uh, and, you know, you can be many hats within that. You're the unlocker of minds. You're the, the encourager, the cheerleader, the person that, you know, has to give feedback and, and a lot of those different things to sort of help people to grow. But you really do see positive ripple effects and, and ultimately it's the person that ends up growing and, and taking it and using it, not using it, whatever else. Um, but no, it is, I think it is just one of those things where um, it's nice to see that you have continued to evolve over time. And do you think that, mm. it, like I know that the imposter syndrome, you've tried those things, but do you think that's mm. built into you to not just be the person that's trying to develop others, but you've had a longstanding desire to develop yourself? I don't know. It's a good question. I think um, we, we all have the capacity to learn and grow and have that growth mindset. Uh, but I think it's harder for others who may have spent their entire life kind of in that fixed mindset. Um, but, yeah, I think I think it's just part of who I am. I've never really been a person to say I'm a victim and, you know, this woe is me, this happened to me as a child. So, therefore, like, it's just it's just not useful. So, Maybe it's just part of part of who we are. I like it. I like it. I, I love mm. how sure you you um, are about the stuff that you know. Like you know, it's it, it's nighttime. It's a gin. Like you know, you, that's your drink. That's the one. Sure <laughs> there might be other drinks. Uh, and it's true crime. My partner loves true crime too. Some of it I can't hear. Like she listens to some podcasts, and I'm like, whoa, no, that's too much. I can't. I can't hear that. Yeah, there's um, something about apparently like it's a big thing with females um, to to get into true crime, and it's probably just because like. It's, you know, like we just, it, it, it's trying to understand being, you know, sometimes part of being female is really being nurturing and, and mm. trying to understand how can somebody do it? Like that's really intriguing to me. It scares the daylights out of me trying to um, get my head into those spaces and knowing that there's the, the level of evil and some of the stuff. It's like, whoa, where are they finding these stories? And you just wish that they didn't exist. But um, for the people yeah. that love true crime, they're glad in a way that, you know, not that it happened, but I suppose that they get to um, understand, like I said. Yeah. Uh, but from your perspective, are there any other like ingredients that you think have sort of made up, you know, your success or contributed to it? Um, I think that there's been some tools that I've found really helpful a lot. There's been so many tools that I've found helpful along the way. Um, so the, the toughest thing for me in, in life is, is obviously I've always struggled with being vulnerable um, up until a few years ago. But I think that the um, the thing that's helped me through hard times and, and this maybe some ingredients in my success is just, um, you know, like I don't know if you've heard of Louise Evans. Um, she's a leadership development person and coach. She developed a thing called the Five Coloured Chairs and um, essentially they are a chair that represents a behavioural choice that's a different colour for each chair and there's a different animal for each chair so it's easy to remember. But how, how it works for me when I'm triggered emotionally because, you know, obviously your brain shuts down and you can't really think properly um, is I tend to want to jump straight into the red chair which is like the jackal chair and that's where we get angry and we, um, you know, criticise and judge and that that's a that's always been a thing for me, um, instant, you know, feeling like I'm, I'm angry about, you know, it's a, it's a response thing. Mm -hmm. So um, I've always kind of used the yellow chair which is the, um, the meerkat chair as a way to kind of help just stop, you know, Brene talks about, Brene Brown talks about 
the only antidote to feeling overwhelmed is to do nothing. So, you know, when times get tough, I just need to sit in that yellow chair, stop and do nothing um, to give my body time to, to calm down and to then give myself time to, to step into um, another chair, which is, I guess, the detective chair. I think it's the dolphin chair. And that's where I can start to pull on my emotional agility, which is learning you know, what am I feeling, identifying what that feeling is, and then from there, what is the unmet need? And once I can articulate what that is, then I can figure out what action I need to take. Mm, so the mm. work that Susan David, um, I think her name is, has done around emotional agility was, you know, really also quite quite helpful with that. So I think that those tools are really useful as well as reframing is another tool I use um, because, you know, if we can get through those really tough times in life, then I think everything else is a lot easier. Yeah, well, sense. it's a bit like an avalanche, isn't it? Sometimes emotions... They, they, they're let loose like beasts out of a cage and, and good luck yeah. trying to get them back in. And, and, or like, you know, you have the horse is bolted and you're tied to the horse's leg by rope and you're just flying along on the ground um, with anger doing all sorts of things. You know, you see people, um, you know, acting out, um, you know, some of the stuff you see on social media, road rage, all, all different things. Whereas, whereas being able to tame that seems like a, a, a remarkable skill that would save you from, you know, in, in parallel universes if they exist not going down you know the flipping the desk or um <laughs> you know throwing the monitor off your computer on the ground or or whatever um yeah. have you really seen like that that has um because I, I feel like it wouldn't it wouldn't only like see benefits in your life like physically you would have to feel better because that anger then doesn't kick onto more things that you regret and and whatever else like how what's the ripple effect of mm. that a particular thing been like in your life? Oh, look, I think, you know, I always I always go back to relationships because they're really easy, right? But, um, you know, if I'm getting triggered by something that someone said or done, it's often related to a story that I'm telling myself. So, you know, if I were to react to every time I'm triggered, I would, my relationships would probably end in tears because, you know, you, you just automatically want to, like, blame the other person for not doing this or not doing that. So I just think it, I think it's just useful in not damaging relationships. Um, it's also useful in staying connected to yourself. So, you, you know, this sort of stuff, this emotional regulation stuff just helps you stay connected to yourself and to others so you're not damaging relationships. Mm, mm. Any other ingredients that you think that have uh, had contributed to the 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 wondrous variety <laughs> um oh that's that's a good question what ingredients i think like i was saying sort of at the start um around the self-leadership piece there's there's a component there of getting to know yourself um getting to understand your values there's also understanding your strengths and I think there's also really crucially about embracing your weaknesses or whatever you want to call them and without judgment, right? So, you know, there's the triple, I don't know if you know, there's the triple A model of acknowledging and then um, I think it's acknowledging, I could be wrong. We can always edit this out at the end. Acknowledge, um, accept, and then take action. So we can't accept, if we don't accept what it is that is part of who we are, there is, you know, no way that we can ever do anything about that. So 
you know, for me, knowing that I have imp- or had imposter syndrome for a very long time, I just started to embrace that and say, you know what, that's okay. It doesn't matter because I can still do the stuff that I need to do. It's just maybe a bit more uncomfortable. Mm. Or, you know, for people who are struggling with low confidence, just to be able to say, I struggle with, you know, where I'm less confident doing certain things than I am with others, that's okay. Like it's just part of who you are and it, it shouldn't stop you from doing things. It just might feel a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. So I think that well, if you yeah. if you want me to proofread, uh, you know, a, a thousand page document, I'm like, it's probably not going to happen, <laughs> and it's probably not going to be right, it, it, because of just that level of detail and and even reading is not something that I necessarily love. Like I can read if I'm really engaged about something, but I'd rather listen to the audio book or watch the video, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, I guess it's and and you know, in full transparency, the the editing thing, like that's not a strong point either. So we we're going to go with acknowledge uh, as being the first A. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and accept it <laughs> yes yes uh, but no like that's good and and so you know that kind of leads into the next question um is there something that you're you know it might be the meerkat thing but is there something that you're sort of telling yourself um, when you're in the harder times or doing t- to get through is, is it the meerkat chair or is there something else that you're sort of doing yeah i was thinking about this question and it reminded me of um about i think five years ago i joined um a boxing gym and they invited you after about 10 weeks of training to actually have a go and do a sparring competition so oh you know and but we were all on the same level right because we just started so um the first time where i jumped into the ring and and did sparring with my partner they were coming at me relentlessly like not even not even hard blows but they were making contact with every part of my body so i was just like in protective mode the whole time and I remember I looked over and I saw this sign on the wall and it said the way that you are in the ring is the way that you are in life Mm. and I just had this like this sense of failure in that moment that oh I must be a failure if I can't you know and I just jumped in the ring for the first time and this is Mm. the kind of shit that I'm telling myself and I, I had a choice then when I stepped out of the ring I had a choice to to either tell myself that I was a weak and a failure or to actually reframe it in a realistic way and say, you know what, I actually have overcome so many challenges in my life successfully and I also now know that combat sport is not my cup of tea. (laughs) the same time you know <laughs> and you got in the ring though like a lot of people i wouldn't i would feel um like I, I like to lean into when i feel fear of things i like to lean into those things and, and try to do them because otherwise mm. you know they can i feel like you know they can start to grow bigger and bigger and bigger and become harder mentally to overcome but you got into the ring like you could have just said no thanks not bothered you successfully guarded and you use some of the techniques to not get knocked out like i hope you didn't get knocked out because uh, like i'm just laying on my side reading the sign again like that <laughs> Okay. Uh, I learned to read upside down that day. There's some positive. Emotionally, I, I was on my side, but um, yeah. no, yeah, thank you. And I think you're, you know, you've, you've touched on that. It's just about acknowledging the stuff that you do rather than like focusing on the stuff that you, you, you're not doing. And reframing, I guess, is that the reason I share that story is reframing is crucial. You know, really, it's that detective chair, it's that dolphin chair of going, What's really going on here? Am I telling myself a lie? And most of the time we, we do because that's our brains are just threat-seeking missiles, right? So really taking the time out to go, 
what is it that I could tell myself that's more realistic than this shit that I'm spinning right now? Because mm. that's ultimately, that self-talk is really damaging. Um, so just taking the time to learn how to reframe, I think, has is, is been another real key um, in terms of, yeah, my success like equation. And if, if you, you, like. look, you look back on your life, do you feel like there's a particular moment in time, you know, is it you're watching Brené Brown's story or, or you know, is there is a particular breakthrough moment for you where you're like, you know, where you feel like that was the, the tipping point towards your success? Yeah, I, I think, Tom, I think it was the moment where I just started to share those personal stories with other people um, because that was what was holding me back was, was you know, when you're not being authentic, right, so you're, you're trying to pretzel yourself and be someone that you're not, you can't connect with other people authentically and you, you can't connect with yourself. So the moment I let go of that and just started to share my stories was the moment when I genuinely started to, to, to feel like a sense of confidence, which is ironic because, you know, I'm sharing the things that make me feel vulnerable which ironically has actually helped me to feel more confident. Wow. So after that first story, you, you know, you, you afterwards reflecting and just thinking like, what was I, what was I, well, I should have been doing this the whole time. Yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, I think it's just because people respond to it as well. You know, people just want to know that they're not the only, you know, messy human being with flaws in the room. And once people mm. can feel that and know that we're all in this shit together, I think it just creates a sense of, okay, I can just kind of breathe out and just just keep going knowing that it's, it's, it's okay. Mm. I've watched so many movies and TV series and, you know, everything. And it's like they do their best to try to make people seem real. But you can't, I don't think you can actually capture, or maybe you can, some filmmakers out there like, yes, I can, I have. I'm like, okay, well, good work. But like to me, I imagine it's hard to actually capture from what I see where like you watch a show, they're not worried about making dinner or doing the washing or buying washing powder <laughs> or fills $2 a litre. They're like, let's go to the beach and we'll do that. You know, whatever the story is, it, it, life is made up of this absolute <laughs> bubbling cauldron of all these different ingredients and people and things. And so to it, life is messy. It, it, it really, really is messy. And I think if you can make, if you can clean just even just a little bit, um, you know, a, a pathway that you walk in life, um, that's a win in itself. Mm. You don't need mm. to be perfect. Mm. I love that. Mm. So is there anything, like, if you think about your career or life, anything that you think that you're most proud of? Um, I think that, you know, I, I just feel proud when, you know, people are sharing with me um, insights that they might have gained um, based on the work we've done together. And I think I kind of feel like you, you can sense when there's a shift in someone's energy or when they really start to think about something and reflect on it. And so for, for me, that feels really wonderful that, you know, I, I've just played a little part in that person's growth. And it's all their own thoughts and in, and it's all their own work. But it's just if I do feel proud that I can at least give people a, a bit of time and space to, to do that crucial work of becoming the person that they always, you know, were meant to be. Mm. Yeah. Because if you were not willing to do that, you know, and you, 
like all the lives that you've come into contact with all these years. Imagine if you were like, nah, I'm just going to, um, you know, fill in spreadsheets or something, you know, like, or, or whatever, you know, you're on the front line and you're just, you know, doing whatever it, it might've been back in the day. For me, it was like my first job was yeah. making sandwiches and sandwiches are good and they're important. Um, yeah. But, you know, to consider where I am and what I've done. Mm. I love the idea that, you know, I've been willing because you've got to be brave enough to actually jump in and mm. share and help and do those things. And whilst imposter syndrome is mm. there, you know, thank goodness that you've had the courage to actually live this life and, and be willing to help others because you've lived a life of service to others. Thank you, Tom. But I must say if, if making sandwiches, you know, made me feel as passionate about what I am doing now, you know, if it gave me the same feeling, then I would proudly do that as well. You know, for some people just getting out of bed and standing upright um, is a reason for them to feel proud. So I just think that, you know, I acknowledge anyone um, who is working through difficulties in life, just sometimes just getting through the day is enough for people to, to feel proud. So so, yeah. I feel like there's so many different definitions of success and it depends, I suppose, on, you know, when you're saying it, who you're saying it for, what the meaning is, is it what I'm guiding my life by or whatever else. But I think yeah. you've touched on that where you, if it feels right to you, you know, and, and it's, and it's not some bad thing, like I'm stealing the jewels from the bank. Like, don't do that. You know, like, let's just not break the law. Don't steal jewels. Yeah. yeah. But, if you, but if it feels right to you and, and your win of the day is, getting up out of bed which a lot of people struggle with doing that and it's or it's mm -hmm. you know keeping your house neat or if it's being a trainer or making sandwiches it's that feeling of knowing that you're where you should be and and that that That's is it. a win in itself now then mm, i like that and so if people are listening to this they want to achieve more success in their lives uh, they could be leaders they might be aspiring to be leaders they could just be awesome people that are just living their life any tips for you from you to help them level up? Um, I think that, you know, just do, you can't boil the ocean, right? So just do little things. Um, like I said, get up that old big list of values, um, do the work, write down maybe a list of stuff um, that really brings you joy in your life, you know, in your personal life, your relationships and at work. And once you start writing that list, I think it just gives you a real indication of, you know, where you should be putting your energy. Um, so just start there and, um, and, and, and start small. I like that. And so you seem to have a real level of self-awareness. You know, people are listening to this. Do you think like, you know, it, friends and family, do you think that they're also a good point if, they, if they're struggling themselves, like to, to know who I am or what I'm about? Like, is it seeing a coach, do you think? Or is it asking loved ones, like, you know, a bit oh, more about yeah. like Oh, definitely. Like do all of those things, you know, like go, go see a therapist. Like, honestly, um, I've, I've seen at least half a dozen therapists in my life and that should be fairly normal um, for most people to, to do that work with a therapist, to go see a life coach, um, or someone who, you know, has been recommended, read um, books that, you know, you're drawn to, um, listen to podcasts, like all of that stuff's important. But, you, you know, you'll probably do it at a time where it's calling you rather than kind of just go and do awesome. it randomly. Mm, yeah, I like it. I like it. Well, look, I, I've, I've had an absolutely um, awesome time catching up and, and finding out more about you and uh, and learning about your, you know, different tips and thoughts and things. So I don't know if there's anywhere that you, like if people can people follow along on your journey, are you a, are you a website or social media <laughs> handles or anything like that? 
You know, I was talking to you about um, earlier about strengths and weaknesses. So I'm actually a terrible self-promoter, Tom. So um, a lot of that boils down to laziness, which also happens to be one of my superpowers. But um, I am on LinkedIn if, if people would like to connect with me. Bridie Bailey on LinkedIn. Well, look, Bridie, you are an absolute legend. Uh, I'm so grateful to be able to call you a friend and to be able to, you know, have you again in my life. And uh, look, I'm sure that plenty of people would have gotten a lot out of that. So again, thanks so much for taking the time to have a chat. Thank you so much, Tom. And for anybody listening, thank you so much for tuning in and making it all the way to the end of this episode. I certainly appreciate you being here. Uh, I'm Tom Bell and I'll catch you on the next episode.